Thanks for listening to the Pop Culture Cosmos and the PCC Multiverse. Check out more great podcasts today on one of these awesome affiliate networks. You're listening to a Weeby Geeks Network podcast. You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. The Tangibound Network. Check it out. Tangiboundnetwork.com. Listen to this show, the latest episode, every time. A proud member of the Good and Geek Network. The opinions expressed are those of each individual. Check out all the other geeky podcasts over at gunnageeknetwork.com and get ready because geekiness begins in 3, 2, 1. On this week's episode, Telltale's Sudden Death, Crossplay's Sudden Life on the PlayStation, and is this the last push for virtual reality? All this and more as we reach our next stop, the PCC Multiverse. Don't be alarmed. The quasi-shimmering light before you is a trans-dimensional gateway to other worlds, other voices, other thoughts, and other realities. Up feels like down, and down feels like the number seven on a Wednesday morning. Don't worry. That quivering, blood-boiling sensation under your eyebrows is all a part of the charm. Welcome to the PCC Multiverse. And we're back with another episode of the PCC Multiverse. This is Gerald Glassford from Pop Culture Cosmos and Game Source. We truly appreciate everyone out there listening to all of our incredible shows. But it wouldn't be a PCC multiverse without my good friend. He is the lead astronaut at, well, not only Pop Culture Cosmos, but Humanica Media. You got to check out everything that's going on at humanicamedia.com, Humanica Media on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Instagram, and so much more. It is my good friend. It is Josh Peterson. What's up, man? Heading into another great weekend of pop culture. That's right, man. I'm actually I'm awake now. I got my Monster Energy drink, ready to talk some pop culture. And I got to be honest, when we talk about Kingdom Hearts 3 when it comes out, you got to change that background to just black. That way, when it's enveloping your face, it looks more like we planned it, you know? <laughs> this is true uh hey it's a free program that's all i can say but it is going to be another great episode we've got for you today we've got rob mccallum standing by in the middle of the cosmic crossfire once again he and i will go at it as we always do when it comes to various topics in pop culture plus also as well tyler baker from the fantasy football Pater podcast he is going to be by previewing week four in the nfl some slight changes, injury updates, and all the good things that you fantasy football owners need to know heading into the weekend. And also, Josh and I are going to be later on talking about the last and what could, actually what I think is going to be one of the final big pushes for virtual reality as far as a modern entertainment platform, talking about what Facebook just introduced. We're going to talk about that a little bit more. Plus also as well, we're going to delve into the x-men trailer and our thoughts on if that's going to be something really effective when it comes out next year to audiences so josh a couple things i want to talk about in the front end and that's the big news of the week as far as the past few days is the death of telltale games telltale games is a video game developer and studio and publisher that published over the past i guess seven eight to almost ten years some really 
great storytelling narrative games, Tales from the Borderlands, the Walking Dead series, The Wolf Among Us, and so many others. They really actually made a name for themselves as far as creating that type of atmosphere and the narrative context. Your thoughts on the death of Telltale Games. Last week, the sudden closure of Telltale Games, virtually all the employees have been let go. Just a minimal amount, taking care of some final projects, I believe, for Minecraft and Netflix, I think. And also, it's led to a little bit larger discussion on unionization. Also, as well, there's a class action lawsuit. A lot of people are upset at the way the Telltale Game Studio handled the situation because a lot of people were left out of work very suddenly without any severance. Your thoughts on the whole Telltale situation and their legacy it looks like to me it's been really tarnished after what was several years of quality game making. Yeah, okay, so let me hit two aspects of this. I want to hit it from the employee side. I want to hit it from the developer side. Yeah, it's sad that they're shutting down. You know, they did kind of reinvent the wheel. And it's actually, I don't even know if they reinvented the wheel. They invented the wheel when it comes to that type of storytelling in video games. You know, they had the Tales from the Borderlands, Walking Dead, Game of Thrones, Batman, they had all kinds of good stuff out there and people liked it. I mean, they weren't they weren't like home runs by any means, but they had good critical reception, but that didn't translate into sales and that's was that was kind of sad. So I also know that from what I understand with some of the stuff I've been reading about, they kind of overextended themselves and they they didn't really have a good financial plan. They were relying on other companies to give them money but they never got it they never got any of it so they kept planning ahead and hoping that they would get that money and i know a big thing happened when lionsgate pulled out because they had a contract with lionsgate to make some kind of project that was going to merge video games and movies and then also a stranger things deal those kind of things were lining up but they fell through just at the last minute and pretty much they closed the studio directly the almost the day after i believe yeah, yeah. So I know the Lionsgate contract was worth something like $40 million or something. They were kind of relying heavily on that. So here's my thought on it is that when this happens, you know, I mean, it's not something that just, you know, it doesn't just happen like that. And they're like, oh, we got to shut our doors. You you can see it. There's you have you have people who work in, you know, your your finance department. They can kind of see this stuff happening before it does. So that gets me to the other side of the whole thing where it's like, yeah, they're an amazing company, but they handled this thing almost completely wrong. If they knew they're going to close down, they, they should have given their employees severance packages. Yeah, they should have give them, given them that instead of saying, hey, you have health care for the rest of the week. Otherwise, you all just kind of lose your jobs. And then the guy in charge of the company goes, I'll give you a recommendation on LinkedIn. That's like a backhanded compliment to me. Well, it's kind of disappointing the way they've handled it. If I was an employee for that company, I would be really upset at this point at the way I was handled. And you're right. They were basically going like someone, like so many people out there that go paycheck to paycheck. They were literally going from project to project in order to try and stay alive. And to me, that's truly disappointing and not the way you want to run a company. The first time you see success, you should be able to build upon that, start investing, start saving that money. And then going from there and and don't make your projects too big if you can't handle it. You you know, it's not just the next project. You should be alive for the next project and the next project after. So if one falls through, you'll be able to have another one or another one. And, And, you know, it should not be something where 
okay, there was one or two projects that fell through. Okay, you were done for that. In no way, shape, or form should that have been the case. And if that was the case, which it was, they should have given some type of larger hint to all of their employees that this could be happening. If it doesn't go through, you might want to make contingency plans. You don't want to just leave a lot of people like that out to dry. I think it was very, very bad for the video game industry. Just It sets a bad light on it. And like what's being done now with a class action lawsuit, the cries of unionization, which some are, are were really taunting before as far as the workplace and the over amount of work and the hours, the crunches that a lot of these development studios do, having that more regulated in a union environment and other things of that nature, those calls, those cries get louder and louder with situations like these because it's it's clear something needs to change after the many years now of the workplace environment for these types of studios where it's just it's not going in a good direction. And you know, whether or not you agree on unionization, that's one thing, but something needs to be done to change these studios and the way they think and the way they actually develop their business. Right. And you notice how Capcom actually shut down their Vancouver studio this week. And that was not in the news at all because they handled it correctly. They gave their employees severance. They warned them ahead of time this was happening. And then you just kind of look at the comparison between how Capcom handled it and how Telltale handled it. And you'll see there's an issue that, I mean, you know, video game, the unionization, I need to look more into that issue as a whole. But yeah, it did not go down well. And it I, I know a lot of people are questioning. I've been scouring the internet trying to find more information on this, but what's going to happen to their current projects? You know, you have these people that paid the season pass or whatever for The Walking Dead. They, they paid for the whole thing and they're not going to get a, a complete thing. So what- As of right now, because it's actually taken off the PlayStation Store, I believe, in the Xbox Store. It was taken off of storefronts as far as the, the game is concerned. And the game being completed, like you said, is really in question at this point. Right. And here's another thing, too. The people who run Telltale, I'm sure there was a few opportunities for them to save their company. They could have sold to somebody had they not been so foolish. So I, I'm just I'm curious, like what the mindset behind this whole situation was. But I do love how there's all these gaming developers reaching out to these employees. Like I saw a thing on Instagram the other day, and it was Ninja Theory had put up a post saying like, "Hey." The uh, closure of Telltale, it, you know, it makes us sad, but we would love to see, we would love to talk to you guys and see if there's anything, any of our projects we can put you guys on. And so it's been kind of cool to see the gaming community come together over this, the the tragic loss of Telltale Games. But yeah, I'm, I'm seeing more and more employees speaking out against what's happening, even like people who are faithful, diehard Telltale employees, they're coming out and saying all these bad things about the company. And it, it I don't know. I just I want to know what went on behind the like what was the mindset? What went on behind the curtains? And I'm sure we're going to get more dirt as these things come to light, but it it seems like there's something not right about this whole thing and not just the way they handled it, but just the way that it happened. It seems something there's something else, something I don't want to say sinister, but something going on that would explain this whole thing, but we're just not privy to it at the moment. No, but it does point to a poor decision making at the top the management needs to be addressed as far as how they handle it i know that's going to be probably coming up in a court of law with a like i said a class action lawsuit let's speculate for a moment 
I mean, for a while, Telltale was considered a fast rising company. There were some really great projects. It did have some issues as far as their engine that they were never able to really straighten out 100%. A lot of people complaining that there was some smoothness issues for a narrative game that's not graphically intensive. There was also some issues with frame rate that they were just never able to address 100%. But outside of that, the actual gameplay elements were not ever really addressed as far as being that side of it. But the narrative, from a narrative standpoint, Telltale will always be known as a company that tried to go out of its way to tell an outstanding narrative. And at times they really did. Obviously, the seasons of The Walking Dead are the first thing that comes to mind with a lot of gamers out there when it comes to Telltale. What are some of the other games from Telltale that you really enjoyed or really had a eye on as far as really quality stuff that made you think that Telltale was going to be around for a long time to come? Okay, so this is where I'm going to be completely honest with you. I've played three Telltale series. Never really got into The Walking Dead. I loved Tales from the Borderlands. Game of Thrones was okay, not my favorite. Wolf Among Us was really good. Love that game. Here's the thing, though. I want to pose a question to you. In this world we live in, where even these big game developers are concerned about the effects that mobile gaming is having on the gaming industry, the instant gratification, the kids growing up playing cell phone games, not having the attention span to focus in on big AAA story-driven titles, not even just AAA, but just story-driven games in general. Do you think that Telltale would have survived that coming storm? Because if kids are having a hard time, the kids coming up into gaming are having a hard time focusing on story-driven things, do you think that Telltale would have lasted in that climate? That's a good question, because uh, that got me thinking as far as what you were saying. Maybe Telltale was catering to a different audience, maybe an older audience, maybe an audience that is, like you said, not really interested in instant gratification, that they're really actually waiting to sit down and go through a narrative like that. And maybe a lot of gamers out there maybe maybe were not ready or prepared to do that. Maybe the sales and maybe the success that a lot of the press, the gaming press out there lauded for them for was not actually there or present in any big stretch or any big sense outside of maybe The Walking Dead because the Game of Thrones really, even though with the big name attached to it, it really didn't go over that well. The Wolf Among Us was always a critical darling, but I'm not sure if it actually was a commercial success when it really comes down to it. Tales from the Borderlands, was that a true commercial success? I mean, a lot of a lot of times that we forget in the uh, over the years that that telltale has become such a prominent name in the industry that why did they become a prominent name in the industry was it because of their their good word of mouth from the press was it from the good word of mouth of the consumer was it the fact that they were reaching the top of the charts consistently over time over time and now that i think about it i think it was more of a good word that was sent around as far as from a media and critical darling as far as our games are concerned and maybe less so from a volume standpoint which goes back to what you were saying which in an instant gratification era with many people that would love to play off their cell phones that just love to go ahead and play multiplayer and love to go play on Fortnite, and they get that instant gratification 
maybe sitting through a narrative was not something that they wanted to go ahead and do. And maybe they didn't do it in the largest enough numbers to keep Telltale alive now. Or if they had stayed alive or gotten the funding that they needed, they probably wouldn't have been around for many more years to come after that. What are your thoughts on the death of Telltale? Are you sad by it? Did you actually go ahead and delve into their gaming library? Are you upset about how they treated their employees? Share us your thoughts, popculturecosmos at yahoo.com. Also as well, popculturecosmos, Humanica Media, and Game Source on Facebook and Twitter as well. Before we head to the break and our good friend Rob McCallum in the middle of the Cosmic Crossfire, Josh, did you hear the news that Sony, did I call it or did I call it, my friend? Sony is finally giving in to the big demand that's out there. Fortnite strikes again. Fortnite is going to be the one of the first games to experience full crossplay across all platforms as Sony and PlayStation is finally caving in to fans' demands for crossplay, starting with Fortnite very soon. I did, and I honestly, the way that they are acting, the way that Sony is acting is making me dislike them so much it's actually affecting how much i want to play my playstation right now because they are being i i, I got on there i was reading the interview and the guy's like we're uh, we're testing things but we still want to show that sony is the best place for cross-platform play shut up honestly just shut up <laughs> you did not think that two weeks ago you got pigeonholed into doing something you didn't want to do and you're still acting like you're the big man on campus just shut up for five seconds Admit you are wrong. Give the gamers what they want and stop being like the LeBron James of gaming. Come on, just let it go, man. That's too funny. That's too funny. I knew the trend was going and I had a feeling that the popularity of Fortnite and the pressure created from that game was going to cause Sony to cave in. Both of us were kind of alluding to that fact that there was just going to be too much pressure by not only Xbox and Nintendo, but by the gamers themselves. I know I had spoken to Rob McCallum, who said it really wasn't a big, big deal. Also as well, Douglas Hoibu from Retro City Games. He kind of agreed with both of us, but kind of leaned towards Rob. I'm sorry, guys. Crossplay is a big deal in video games. It is a big deal with the kids out there, with the younger audiences, we were just talking about narrative storytelling, maybe eh, not that important right now with the younger audiences, but cross-play certainly is. So it looks like PlayStation has finally relented, and now you're going to see a whole bunch of games that have that cross-play platform as it should have been all along. So the next step for me would be to have cross-play cooperatively on story-driven games like we were talking about. That would be really cool. So if, if there's ever an opportunity for Assassin's Creed to play cooperatively with a friend who has it on like playstation or something or an elder scrolls game or really anything like even you know assuming call of duty ever brings back the campaigns or battlefield or whatever that would be cool that would be the next step for me but sony just needs to eat that humble pie for once i agree with you on that as someone who has long been a fan of the playstation i have been disappointed in their reaction for crossplay for quite some time now and I knew it was going to come back and haunt them because you cannot deny the power of Fortnite right now. Fortnite is on an all-time high. And if the fans wanted it, the fans are going to get it when it comes to crossplay. What are your thoughts on crossplay now becoming a part of the PlayStation platform? 
share us your thoughts, popculturecosmos at yahoo.com. Coming up next, we've got Rob McCallum in the middle of the Cosmic Crossfire right after the break. This is the PCC Multiverse. Looking for an edge the next time you take on your favorite video game? Then check out Vitabrace High Performance Gamer Wristbands. Packed with the power of fruit seed oil, Vitabrace is clinically proven to help improve performance, giving you a better gaming experience. Head to MiracleFruitOil.com and use the promo code MEDIA10 to get $10 off your Vitabrace purchase. Whether you're looking to beat the time on your latest speedrun or are fighting your way to the top on your favorite multiplayer or battle royale, Vitabrace can help you reach your gaming goals. Buy Vitabrace today at MiracleFruitOil.com. That's MiracleFruitOil.com. Vitabrace. Win with it. And we're back with another episode of the Cosmic Crossfire. It's Gerald coming right back at you here. Well, it wouldn't be a Cosmic Crossfire without my good friend. He is the lead commander at Rob McCallum Films. you got to check out everything that's going on today at Rob McCallum Films. Where at? Where else? But robmccallumfilms.com. you got to check out all of his great projects, including the Kitty Documentary, of course, the great He-Man documentary, Power of Grayskull, that you can now watch on Netflix, Box Art the Documentary, and so much more. It is my good friend. It is Mr. Rob McCallum. So pray tell, Rob, what's in your mind when it comes to pop culture? For the last couple episodes, everybody that's been listening, we've had a little bit of a Kobayashi Maru scenario where there is no clear winner. And this goes back to an earlier podcast show I had many years ago that I know Gerald's a big fan of. And he's played back and back and forth here on the on the PCC and the multiverse as well. And you can check him out on YouTube, too. But this week's great debate. What is harder to craft, Gerald, a James Bond film or a Superman film? A quality James Bond film or a quality Superman film? What is harder to craft and why? If we were referencing 1980s or 1990s, I would have said substantially and definitively that it would have been much harder to make a Superman film in those eras. In 2018, I think it to me, it's a little bit easier to write up a screenplay for a watchable with a good narrative type Superman flick. But for me, I get think it would be harder to go ahead and construct a narrative in the type of social media, social awareness era that we have in 2018 to write up and have a James Bond character that is going to go over well with the larger general masses out there like they did even just a short time ago when it came to Spectre and, of course, obviously Skyfall, which is the biggest film to date in the franchise. So I'm going to probably say it's a little bit more difficult at this point in time to go ahead and construct a narrative for the James Bond series. See, I think you can use some of the social awareness of what's going on now and put Bond in the middle of that, as you know, as they said in Casino Royale, Cold War, Dinosaur who has no place and he's just a blunt instrument. Were they not really referencing the same kind of thing in 2005, I think that was, when that film came out, 2005, 2006? Not much has really changed. They could even go a step further and show 
the fish out of waterness of a James Bond like character in today's society. And how can you do that? The same way that they did with the Spy Who Loved Me, introduce you know a, a female double agent that's essentially one up on Bond until he can realize that yeah he has to work with somebody else. He shouldn't do everything alone, and his ways maybe aren't the correct just because he thinks he's he can pull it off because he's done it in the past. So I think it's much easier, given the social climate, to pull off a relevant James Bond film. But how do you pull off a James Bond film with stakes and stunts and missions and, and a plot that is woven so intricately over two and a half hours that we really haven't seen before? Now, contrast that to Superman. How have we still not got a really definitive Superman film from essentially the very first one with Christopher Reeve? That is still the definitive Superman film because it was such a miraculous leap or, or soaring presence to the screen for the first time. It's been a little downhill since then, but we still haven't got a quality script with a character that we can identify with where people come out cheering and just blown away. I mean, sure, we have the technology to pull it off, but when are we going to have that script that centers on character and goes beyond and has the psychology behind it that isn't just punching things and knocking over cities with destruction and, and, and chaos to, to have something that matters and gets at the core of what everything Marvel has essentially woven into all their films and what, you know, a million other films that Warner Brothers has done on their own. So I think both are really hard. They both are really hard. And, and at this point in time, the way they're both set up, it is really kind of hard to go ahead and create a good narrative for each when it comes to Superman, there are those diehards that did enjoy Man of Steel. I know that they really like that, that the way that... that the 3%. Uh, yeah, the 3%. Fortunately, I know a few of those 3%. But I will say this, that I didn't personally like it myself. I didn't think it was that great of a film. I just did not stand out in any way, shape, or form to me. But the thing is, you cannot go back and reboot it so soon after you just came out with man of steel the only the only way that you can come back with this is go into almost like the post the death of superman era where you've got superboy and steel and is it eradicator and then there, there's basically four supermen that come back proclaiming their superman after the death of superman at the hands of doomsday that is one way to get superman franchise back on track for example, follow the comics and, and do that kind of thread, you know, recap, maybe his death, like he's gone in the way that Superman had left earth forever and Superman returns. And then he finally comes back. Hey, this is the world of comics and more than just the world of comics. This is the DC world of comics where characters can die and come back and look completely different. Or, you know, it's a parallel universe or something else different happened. It doesn't matter. It's all been written before. We've all had to chew it before. We've all had to swallow that before. This is unfortunately the ho-hum, cheesy, chewy world of DC Comics. So there's a lot of ways that you can write out of this. Officially, my pick is I think it's harder to craft a James Bond film because we've seen so much. And there are so many competitors out there in the space especially with the mission impossible franchise doing as well as it's doing and of course the board franchise of of the late 90s early 2000s still proving the actions there and of course you got stuff like jack reacher again another tom cruise action-packed franchise but i just don't think there's an excuse for a bad superman film when there's so many writers out there that should be given a shot with so many great stories out there already give us superman red sun you know if you want to do something completely different Go down that storyline. 
there are a lot of narratives that the comics have made throughout the years. I mean, it's one of the oldest comics out there to date, so as far as a series. So there is a lot to go off of that they could do that or create something in a, a new and in and of itself. So you're right. It is there's still a lot of work to do and Henry Cavill being gone doesn't give you a foundation really to work off of that you've had before. You're going to have to do something totally fresh, totally clean, totally new or are you just going to simply just go ahead and recast the actor and just continue like nothing happened? That's what would scare me and uh, same thing with Batman and same thing with Cyborg. Are you going to recast all three actors and just continue like nothing ever happened? That to me would be the, probably the biggest mistake of all. Yeah, they've got to find a way to sidestep it and get around it, even if it's information shared in other films. And then when they come back to an actual Superman film, there's a, maybe a bit of a backstory caught up through the opening credits in the same way that in Sam Raimi's Spider-Man 2, we see the origin story rekindled for the audience through the opening credits through almost like still images where we see Peter Parker get bit by the spider. Or even if look at something like Spider-Man Homecoming, where that uh, exposition gets out there to the audience without having to be really overly clunky. So like I said, those were some good points. And you know what? We actually kind of agreed on that last subject. Amazing. I'm not going to say we totally agree. I'd say there's maybe an overlap area within the discussion. It's always too risky and it's way too early in the show to say we've agreed upon anything. Well, neither are a walk in the park. How about that? That would be agreeing if I conceded. I can't do that. You know the nature of the show. Fair enough, fair enough. I disagree. <laughs> well, that'll do it for another episode of the Cosmic Crossfire. Thanks for listening, Gerald. Where can they reach out to us if they want more information? They can reach out to us at popculturecosmos at yahoo.com. Also as well, Pop Culture Cosmos, Humanica Media, Game Source, and Rob McCallum Films on Facebook. You're at Rob McZob on Twitter. Game Source, Humanica Media, and Pop Culture Cosmos on Twitter and Instagram as well. Again, thanks for uh, chatting. I'm sorry that we agreed more than people are accustomed to hearing. We've got to do it every now and then just to keep everything just status quo. But tell you what, I'm sure there are going to be things down the road in pop culture that you and I are going to go mano a mano and face off as in the near future. Not only right here on the Pop Culture Cosmos, but of course right here in the middle of the Cosmic Crossfire. Get ready for Box Art, a gaming docuseries from Pyre Productions and Rob McCallum Films. If you love video games, chances are there's a box cover or cover image that you love and has stuck with you for decades. In our series, Box Art, we travel across North America to visit with the unknown illustrators and artists responsible for creating the most iconic gaming images of all time. What was once scheduled to be a 90-minute documentary is now a six-episode season packed with unbelievable tales that paint a picture of the gaming industry you've never imagined. Just one of the many pop culture projects from Rob McCallum, Empire Productions. And we're back with the program. It is Gerald Glassford once again coming right back at you here. It is that time to look towards the weekend, week four in the NFL. Mm -hmm. And who better to do that with me than my good friend? He is the guru of fantasy football. He is also the host of the Fantasy Football Pater podcast. You got to check it out today. Full episodes are on the Pop Culture Cosmos channel on Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and over 30 different podcasts. 
Plus, he's also on our shows, the PCC Multiverse, like tonight, and the Pop Culture Cosmos on Monday. It is my good friend, the Guru. I can say it today <laughs> with a little bit more inflection because I actually have my voice back today. It good. is my yes, yes. The, well, the other day I didn't. It was, it was, it was, uh, it was shot yelling at soccer players and yelling at a charity <laughs> event. Yeah, right there. But it is my good friend. It is Tyler Baker. What's going on, man? I'm doing well. Who goes to a charity event and yells at people? Gerald, what are you doing? What I'm, do you do in your spare time? You know what? Check out the Retro City Games Facebook page. You check out the video that's four hours long. <laughs> and you want to check out me screaming on the microphone to make sure everybody either comes by and, and helps participate in that great charity event to help the victims and the families of the victims of the Jacksonville tragedy, the Madden tragedy last month. Or they can go ahead and still they can contribute to a GoFundMe account that's set up for them. Just check that out on GoFundMe.org. So check that out. You know, and Good. me shouting for four hours. It was it was it was helpful, I think. I I, <laughs> I hope. Anyways. Just doing lost, your part. Just doing my part. Lost my voice. But anyways, it is gonna be a great weekend in the NFL. What things are you pointing towards first that fantasy football owners need to know about, especially with some injuries out there as well? Mm -hmm. Well, there are going to be some changes week four in the NFL. Jimmy Garoppolo, we talked a little bit about it on Sunday. He is out for the season, so it's going to be interesting to see how the 49ers react to that. C.J. Beathard is now their quarterback. I would expect Kyle Shanahan to dig deep and do some razzle-dazzle. You'll probably see a lot of George Kittle in this one, maybe even some of Kyle Kuchef. It's going to be interesting. Matt Breida could be the focal point of that offense. Alfred Morris actually showed up on the injury report on Thursday. Could be precautionary, but you don't like to see a guy be added to the injury report midweek. So it's going to be interesting to see what that team's going to look like. Nobody wants to give up in week four. So I expect them to come out against the Chargers and just kind of put it all out there, leave it all out on the field. But we'll get a sense of what that offense is going to look like after this week. Something tells me it's not going to be good. When it comes to week four, mm -hmm. there's a lot of great matchups out there for fantasy football owners to hone in on. One of the things I wanted to find out was when it comes to the Jets at Jacksonville, the running back situation has been kind of tenuous due to injuries. Can you give us any kind of update when it comes to the Jacksonville Jaguars and Leonard Fournette or also as well TJ Yeldon? <laughs> you know what? When he first had that hamstring injury, the coaching staff said, you know what? It's not that bad. It's in a good part of the hamstring for whatever that means. And we thought maybe two weeks ago he was going to play. It didn't happen. Last week, all indications were that they were just being cautious and, you know, it's feeling good. Well, he didn't play last week either. This week, it's looking better. That is just one of the situations where it's going to be a true game time decision. With his hamstring injury, if he's ready to go, they're going to have him active and they're going to put him on the field and let him play, especially with TJ Yeldon having some injury woes too. If he's active on Sunday, play him. If not, don't. I mean, it's just one of those true game time decision deals. And that's You're really troubling because you've got a choice between TJ Yeldon, who's really hurt, and mm -hmm. Leonard Fournette, who is hurt as well. So maybe moving in, into another direction as far as if you have another running back on the roster, maybe keep him on the ready as well. Yeah. And if you've dealt the last two weeks without Leonard Fournette, you 
have a backup plan unless your backup plan was TJ Yeldon. <laughs> and in that case, you're going to have to dig deep. I have Fournette. I already have him in my starting lineup. I'm going to be watching Sunday morning to make sure that he's active. Is he? If he is active, I'm playing him. If he's not, of course, I'm going to pull him and I'll put somebody else in. There's another situation in New England. Rex Burkhead got put on injury reserve with a neck injury. That leaves a really, really interesting opportunity for Sony Michelle. I watched some of Sony Michelle's college film, and, and, and he looked quick and explosive. We haven't seen that yet in the NFL. I think that could be because he's just not familiar enough yet. He's just not comfortable enough yet. Remember, he missed the entire preseason. He missed most of training camp. So he's just getting up to speed in the NFL so for right now, that leaves two running backs there in, in New England, James White and Sonny Michelle. I think both of them are worth the add. I think short-term, James White could be the better play, but long-term, I think it's definitely going to be Sonny Michelle. You don't pick a guy in the first round not to play him. Once he gets comfortable, once he gets up to speed, once he really knows what the offensive line is going to do, I think you're going to see more of that explosiveness. Well, let me put it this way. Once he's comfortable enough to be decisive, then you're going to see the explosiveness, and then you're going to see the playmaking ability. And this offense is getting ready to change. Julian Edelman will be back next week. Once Edelman is back and give Sonny Michelle another chance or give Sonny Michelle another week to kind of get up to speed, I think you're going to see a different Patriots team in two weeks from now because everybody's wondering, and it always seems that the Patriots find themselves in a position where people are wondering if they're still good, and then the Patriots do what they do and they come out and and you know they start playing well this weekend they have an interesting matchup against the 3-0 Miami Dolphins so I've heard quite a few people say that hey you know isn't this kind of hit the panic button you know they're one and two and they're facing a divisional opponent that's undefeated I don't think the panic buttons yet remember next week Julian Edelman will be back and for a team that's really hurting at receiver so I think I'm looking forward to week after next for New England one of the things I also wanted to ask you about is something we touched down on our Monday and also our Wednesday show, which was Aaron Rodgers, who mm-hmm. was looking kind of hurt as far as over the weekend, mm-hmm. still not fully recovered from the injuries that he sustained, I believe in week one, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. Yep. Your thoughts on Aaron Rodgers, is he still someone you want to focus in on as far as keeping him as a starter on your team right now? Buffalo is going to come in, and even though Buffalo just had a nice victory, I don't expect much when it comes to Buffalo, and I expect them to revert back to form when it comes to this weekend facing off against the Green Bay Packers. But will Aaron Rodgers be the one to play with them when they do so? I agree. I think last week was kind of a fluke. No disrespect to what they did. I mean, they took advantage of opportunity. They got the momentum going their way and they just kept pushing it. And and you have to give you have to give them a lot of respect for that win against a pretty good Minnesota team. Aaron Rodgers last week did not look like Aaron Rodgers. And what he does well is he scrambles in the pocket, creates more time, lets his receivers improvise downfield, and he has an amazing connection with them. He's not able to do that hobble the way that he is. But I will say that he practiced today. Now, for the last two weeks, he hasn't practiced at all during the week. He just shows up on Saturday, practices, and then they play on Sunday. He had, he was actually at practice this week. So that's a really good sign for Aaron Rodgers that he was at least at practice and at least participating. Participating. Even on a even on a limited basis, he was there and he was participating. So it looks like his knee's probably getting a little bit better. 
One of the things I also want to touch on, which is quite interesting when it comes to the quarterback position, Houston at Indianapolis. Houston, obviously, for a team that is not getting off to the best of starts, I still think they've got a lot going for them, especially on the defensive side of the ball. J.J. Watt, three sacks last week, looking more like the J.J. Watt that we all know so well. Mm -hmm. When it comes to Indianapolis, it was funny because Andrew Luck has had that shoulder surgery. He was out most of last year. They said he was on the mend. They said he was looking a lot better, a lot sharper. So far this year, he's been, eh, he's been all right as far as his numbers are concerned. But a big thing happened in the closeout as far as the game is concerned on last week for Indianapolis when the coach brought in Jacoby Brissett to Mm -hmm. throw a Hail Mary to try and get a touchdown late in the game, I believe, against their previous opponent. And that leads me to believe that that shoulder is not 100%. So if you're a fantasy owner and you have Andrew Luck on your team, is that of some concern if all he can throw is short balls down the field? I'm not reading too much into that. I mean, Jacoby Brissett has a bigger arm than Andrew Luck. And even when Andrew Luck's healthy, Jacoby Brissett probably has a bigger arm than Andrew Luck. Yeah, I'm not reading too much into it. I am expecting Andrew Luck to improve. He has said that his arm strength is okay. He said that I think I think yesterday because because people are asking about it because I don't know if it's if it was a a sign of no confidence on the coaching part or whether they just thought they had a better chance to make that play with that quarterback and I and I think it's I think it's the latter. So what concern you had with Andrew Luck coming into this game? You still have it. But I'm not increasing it. And I have Andrew Luck in a league that I went I went zero QB. And I'm a little bit concerned, but the more he plays, the better he's going to get. And the more time he has with that shoulder, getting it stronger, the better he's going to be. And honestly, <laughs> what, just imagine a scenario where he put everything, everything into it to get that Hail Mary downfield and every answers his shoulder <laughs> or something like that. So... It was a little concerning, but my meter isn't going up too much more because of that with Andrew Luck. Any last thoughts, my friend, on the way out? It looks like it's another strong weekend in the NFL. A lot of great matchups that are out there. Very Mm -hmm. interesting indeed, especially for every fantasy football owner out there. I did want to make sure and let everybody know before the 10 o'clock game start, please look at your roster and check to make sure you don't have anyone that's starting that's on a bye because bye weeks start mm-hmm. this week. Yeah. I want to make sure everybody knows that. Yep. Before we head on out, my friend, is there anything else you want to chime in on when it comes to week four in the NFL? Yeah, if you have any Panthers players or any Redskins players, they're on a bye this week, so you uh, definitely want to make sure you don't have any of those. Um, it looks like uh, Devonta Freeman and Joe Mixon are both doubtful. Uh, Joe Mixon says he's ready to go. He hasn't been cleared yet. Devonta Freeman is still kind of, um, um, you know, inching his way back in. Um, Alshon Jeffrey has been cleared to play. I don't know how much he's going to play. He didn't practice today just because he had some kind of an illness. But much like we were saying that the Patriots offense is getting ready to change, the Eagles offense is going to change too. They just got Carson Wentz back. They're going to get Alshon Jeffrey back. Also, uh, keep an eye out for Doug Baldwin on your waiver wire. Um, He is back at practice. It's on a limited basis. It is kind of a long shot there. You know, 
he came in with a bum knee first game <laughs> hurts his other knee. Now he's coming back. Uh, but if he's even 80, maybe even 70% of his former self, he's still going to have really good fantasy production because the Seattle Seahawks are desperate for him to come in so that they can get some production on offense. Also keep an eye out for Cameron Meredith, formerly of the Chicago bears got signed with the saints. It looks like he's finally healthy. Uh, we could see him, this Sunday. Also, Kiki Cutie. And we were just talking about Houston and how, you know, they need a little bit more life. You have DeAndre Hopkins and Will Fuller, and that's it in that offense. Kiki Cutie is a wide receiver that could come in and do some really good things for them there in Houston. Also, keep an eye out for Hayden Hurst. I don't know if he's going to play this weekend, but the tight end there in Baltimore could become a favorite target of Joe Flacco. He is practicing. Not sure if he's going to play this weekend, but those are just some guys that we want to maybe keep an eye out for. Once again, it is Tyler Baker from the Fantasy Football Patriot Podcast. You got to check out our full episodes on the Pop Culture Cosmos channel that's available now on Spotify, Podbean, Apple Podcasts, and over 30 different podcast outlets. Plus, also catch his segments on our Pop Culture Cosmos show on Monday and this show again next Friday when he'll probably be patting himself on the back after another <laughs> great weekend in the NFL for his fantasy teams. To rub it in on me one more time. <laughs> hey man, anybody out there that plays fantasy, I know I was talking to a couple people this week that are 0-3. Do not give up. It's not over yet. You can turn it around. You're just going to have to work a little bit harder. You're going to have to watch the waiver wire, maybe pull off a trade. And you can always go to the Facebook group, Fantasy Football Pater Podcast group on Facebook and get your questions answered. You can either post on the page or you can send me messages. A lot of guys just send me messages. Maybe they don't want the people in their league seeing <laughs> seeing what they're asking, which is fine. I get it. But uh, yeah, man, it's going to be an, another good week in the NFL. And if the game between the Rams and the Vikings was any indication, this Sunday, it's going to be a good day for football. And the inside word to you, my friend, that nobody else knows about except for us, hair plugs. <laughs> Not a word. Not a word. <laughs> It is Tyler Baker from the Fantasy Football Patriot Podcast. My friend, it's always great to have you on the show. Glad to have you part of our group known as the Pop Culture Cosmos. And of course, right here at the PCC Multiverse. If you're tired of sifting through flea markets for rare and unique games, we can help. Retro City Games in Henderson, Nevada, only five minutes from the Las Vegas Strip, has all your favorite gaming staples, classics, and a wide selection of rare games with new stuff always appearing on our shelves. Come in and chat with Nicole or Doug about your love of games and watch as they help you complete your collection or find your childhood favorite. And don't forget, Retro City Games loves trade-ins. So if you have any Nintendo, Super Nintendo, Sega, Xbox, PlayStation, or even PC games, come in and visit Retro City Games today. Welcome to the new metropolis of gaming, Retro City Games. And we're back to close out the show. This is the PCC Multiverse. This is Gerald coming right back at you here. Thanks so much to Rob McCallum for being in the middle of the Cosmic Crossfire and also our good friend Tyler Baker from the Fantasy Football Pater Podcast for previewing week four in the NFL. Full episodes of the Cosmic Crossfire and the Fantasy Football Pater Podcast are now available on our Pop Culture Cosmos channel, which is available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, 
Podbean and over 30 different podcast outlets. And if you also need a listing for where the PCC Multiverse and the Pop Culture Cosmos show that airs every Monday, where that's playing because it gets replayed on radio stations all throughout the world, check our listings out on our Facebook page, Pop Culture Cosmos. Josh, I know you got a lot of great things going on when it comes to Humanica Media. So share the goods, my friend. What's going on with Humanica Media? No, we just put out an episode. Actually, it's a pretty good episode talking about trash talking and the psychology of trash talking. Why do we do it? Talk about it in the gaming context, but more specifically, why does it make us feel good? You know, why do we go out and we do things in groups and we talk trash about people in groups and we just feel like we're on top of the world and i was saying like it's weird because a, a common place that this happens is in churches i don't know if you've ever noticed that but you have like your your groups all they like to do is gossip and stuff and then it it's very weird it's very weird and like the 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 thinking behind it feels sad but we we dive into all that stuff so definitely check out the episode it's up on podbean podcast.com all the usual places and also as well, every Tuesday on the Podcast Radio Network at 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific. And I just want to make sure everyone else out there as well, the Game Source Podcast has come back. It's available on the Pop Culture Cosmos channel. New episodes are being done now in the future. Hopefully, Josh and I will sneak on every once in a while, but I'm giving it over after, what, almost 10 years now, off and on and doing it. We're handing it over the reins to Jamie Monroy, a.k.a. Degenerate08. He has assembled a team together. They're going to go ahead and start creating new episodes out there. So catch it. It's the Game Source podcast. We just dropped one this week, so you want to check it out on the Pop Culture Cosmos channel as well. So, Josh, before we head on out, a couple final things to talk about. Before everybody heads into the weekend when it comes to pop culture, did you get a chance to check out the X-Men Dark Phoenix trailer? What are your thoughts on it? I just checked it out. Eh, is what I'm going to say. But when it comes to the X-Men series as a whole, eh, is what I say for the entire series as well. It's never, it's never ingratiated me or captured me outside of Old Man Logan, which we talked about last year as one of our 10 best. But yeah, it just... So far, I don't see anything that really impresses me, although I don't see anything that actually dissuades me as well. Yeah, the X-Men has always been one of those series where I'll watch it just because, and you know, I'll go see it in theaters just because, but I've never been too interested in it. I've never been like rushing off to the store to buy it when it comes out or really caring about owning it in any fashion. Well, and why is that? Because you and I seem to have the same exact feelings on it, and we're not unlike so many people out there that feel the same way because it it does okay it does good sometimes it does not so good apocalypse was like eh all right but it's never been the big blockbuster series outside of logan that it really i think it needed to be even days of future past which was rated highly from a critical standpoint was never really it's it's never really just garnered or captured the attention for a long period of time with audiences I think it's nostalgia has a lot to do with it. And this is also like the the longest running continuous series that's out there. You know, everyone says the MCU invented the wheel. I think X-Men invented the wheel and MCU kind of perfected it. But it's one of those series where it's not something that like people are clamoring for, but people do get excited just at the prospect of seeing heroes that they grew up reading in comic books or watching the, the 90s X-Men cartoon, for example. But like 
this one, let's talk about the trailer for a minute. Like this one, it basically looks like a darker rehash of X-Men 3 without Brett Ratner, which is praise the Lord. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's it's weird because I'm reading all these fan theories about how the X-Men can be incorporated into the MCU. And after watching this trailer, I'm like, <laughs> nope. Exactly. It's just really hard to understand. But then again, this was Fox not caring about what the future is for that series. They just want to go ahead and make the money on their own uh, on the way out before the property is being handed over to Marvel. So that's their deal. But you're right. It is looking dark for Dark Phoenix. And like I said, it's not something that dissuades me in any way from going to see it. But I've seen a good portion of them in the theaters. But, you know, it's not something I really just am dying to see. And if I miss it, I miss it. I just, no problem with me. I didn't think it was a big deal in the first place. Only Logan was the film that I really went into the theaters and wanted to see and really just came out of it going, you know, this is a really good way to accentuate the X-Men franchise. There have been points in time, and I think you got to admit this well, where it's gotten close to capturing our attention. Like I said, with X-Men, Days of Future Past, the original X-Men kind of at certain points, the dichotomy between the original Charles Xavier, Patrick Stewart, and Ian McKellen as Magneto, and even the newer version with Michael Fassbender and James McAvoy, that kind of dichotomy that they have with each other, those points of time are kind of good, and they kind of get you drawn in, but then the rest of it just seems to draw you back out of it, and, and the convoluted storylines, and, and the timeline is always messed up on it. I mean... Is there anyone out there that can really explain the X-Men timeline? No, but I love how, spoiler alert, in the end of Deadpool 2, he goes around and starts killing people. And he's like, don't worry about me, just cleaning up the timeline. Like, honestly, if, if Marvel wanted to do something like that and use Deadpool, people would love it. It wouldn't even matter to them that doesn't make any sense or that it's kind of a cop-out. People would still love that. And that's the thing. When Deadpool is your most wanted individual, in fact, it just seems to me that People just want to go ahead and have Deadpool and Logan, and they would be fine with that in the MCU, and they could just keep the X-Men at Fox. It just To me, it seems like that's all they really want. A lot of people, all they really want. That's, in fact, that's pretty much all I want is just to see those two individuals at the MCU. I could really care less about the other characters within the MCU, maybe Charles Xavier, maybe Magneto, but other than that, it's just... All the rest of the characters have not really endeared themselves to me, and that's a problem of Fox not developing those characters. Brett Radner not really taking the time to develop those other characters outside of, obviously, Hugh Jackman as Wolverine and now Ryan Reynolds as Deadpool with his own creation and as far as how he was able to develop his character. It just seems to me that the X-Men as a whole, even though they've had so many opportunities to develop those other characters they've just failed to do so so that's why nobody's really enthralled for as far as the x-men to get involved with the mcu outside of deadpool and wolverine before we head on out my friend i want to actually touch on one last thing facebook and oculus they actually went ahead and had a big announcement as far as a new type of virtual reality system that's coming out in the spring of 2019 called the oculus quest it's going to retail for 399 
They debuted some adjoining software, including Vader's Quest, which was something Lucasfilm is really proud to show off. Your thoughts on the Oculus Quest? Is it seem like now the virtual reality wannabe fad is finally starting to go ahead and fade away? And do you think this this is just one last reach by Facebook, which spent so much money getting into the virtual reality space, now trying this one desperate last attempt before they go ahead and say, you know what, I think we're going to call it a day on virtual reality. Maybe a bit of both. The Star Wars one is cool because it's actually being developed by Ninja Theory, who does have a a good track record when it comes to making games and putting out quality products. I haven't seen the gameplay of it. I watched a little trailer for it yesterday, but I don't feel like they can really do something awful you know if that makes sense and i'm not just fanboying but like they're trusted developers i feel like they would handle the ip well but yeah i don't know why facebook's getting involved in gaming why they are involved but virtual reality man it's it's just one of those things where people really want it to be good but it's not but they have faith that it's going to be good but it probably won't work out but there's still like a small percent chance that it might i think the tech's not there yet if we if they had the proper tech to actually track your movements and track them well it would be a whole different story but right now we're just not at that place in time and as far as a consumer level it's just still too many components still too many things to put on the glasses and the the headphones and the controllers and the whole nine yards it's just still too much at this point in time for a $299, a $399, even a $199 type of concept that people just want to sit down, stick a controller in their hands, and they want to just relax and play and have fun. Getting all this apparatus on from time to time, even Doug, my good friend at Retro City Games, Douglas Hoyabu, he actually all the time talks about how virtual reality is, is something he likes with his PlayStation VR, which is the leading virtual reality system out there but when the truth comes down to it only two three million units have actually been sold worldwide when it comes to the psvr and if they're the leading one at two three million units that's not really a great sign that the whole industry is is very healthy with oculus and and all the other entities that are out there in that same space or vying for that same marketplace it still to me says that the virtual reality Systems have a long way to go. And I think with the general consumer, no matter what price they put it at, putting on the glasses, putting on the the headphones and all the other apparatus that you need to do and all the wires and all that stuff, to me, it's just still very cumbersome. And it's still people have that premonition about they're going to get headaches, they're going to get dizziness, they're going to get nauseous and all that. And until they correct all those issues and make it so that you could just do one little small connection and boom, you're invested in it like we see on those TV shows of old, whether it is where you're going into like, like a Star Trek, into the hollow room or anything of that nature. That to us, until it gets to that point, I think you're going to see virtual reality just be something on the side, be a niche until, like I said, something better develops within the virtual reality space. What are your thoughts on the new Oculus Quest and virtual reality as a whole? Are you still into it? Are you still interested in it? Are you interested in the quest when it comes out next year? And also, let us know your thoughts on X-Men Dark Phoenix, the new trailer that just came out. Are you still excited for the X-Men series at this point? Or are you just hoping that you will see something better when it hits the Marvel Cinematic Universe, hopefully sometime in the near future? Share us your thoughts, popculturecosmos at yahoo.com. Also as well, popculturecosmos, humanity media, and game source on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram as well.
So Josh, another great weekend, like I said, in pop culture coming around. Want to thank everybody out there for listening to our shows. Check out all of our great stuff on the Pop Culture Cosmos channel, including I know something that you're working on that you had one episode already and you've got more coming along the way. Yes, the official PCC Games cast. So that's officially affiliated with us. And that's we're going to chat about video games, all the video game news going to be a weekly podcast. Yeah, you can already check out the first episode up on YouTube and Podbean and all the usual places. Facebook also. Next episode will be up soon, but I'm currently enveloped in something else, as you well know. So stay tuned. Before we head on out. If you can please help us out, if you get a chance, support our good friends at Miracle Fruit Oil with their awesome gaming wristband, Fighter Brace, also as well, Wheelie Q Barbecue Sauces, Rubs, Raw McCallum Films, Retro City Games, and everybody who else who, who gives us a hand on this. We just truly appreciate it. And if you go ahead and support them today, we would be so much appreciative for doing so. So for Josh Peterson, this is Gerald Glassford. It's another beautiful day in paradise right here in the PCC Multiverse. We thank you for listening. And here's hoping you have yourself a great day. We are the Metal Geeks Podcast, and on this show, we have heavy metal, comic books, video games, movies, theme parks, and more. Wait, wait, wait. Comics? Yep. And movies? Exactly. Video games? Yeah. Metal? Of course. How does theme parks fit in this? It just does. All of us Metal Geeks can be found at MetalGeeks.net. At Metal Geeks for Twitter. Metal Geeks on Instagram. And Metal Geeks on the Facey Space. You can also find us on iTunes. Subscribe today. Metal Geeks. You're listening to a Weeby Geeks Network podcast. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping through Amazon.com or the TeePublic store, which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek. Tangent Bound Network. Let your voice be heard. TangentBoundNetwork.com Thanks so much for downloading the Pop Culture Cosmos and stay tuned as more great podcasts are on the way. Thanks again for listening to us here at the Pop Culture Cosmos.